Next Saturday, May 6th, England's King Charles III will have his coronation at Westminster Abbey and be officially crowned king. It is a historic occasion, and it's estimated that more than 300 million people will be watching. That's a lot of people, and a very important day for the United Kingdom. A lot of preparation has been made for this event. 14 months of preparation, $125 million spent, London streets repaved, spectator bleaches constructed, bleachers con- constructed, statues washed, decorations displayed. All of this for the crowning of an earthly king. And I will admit it's exciting, it's historic. It certainly doesn't happen every day. But what if we knew the day that King Jesus was returning? What kind of preparations would we make as a nation if we knew Jesus was going to return, say, on May 6th? What kind of preparations would you make if you knew that you would be part of the return of the King of Kings? In Matthew 24, after Jesus had died on the cross for our sins and had risen from the dead to give us eternal life, the disciples asked Jesus an important question. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus could have replied to their question, well, men, don't worry, it's going to be 2,000 years before I return. Jesus didn't say that. Instead, Jesus gave his disciples a glimpse of what the world would be just before his return. And last week we looked at two of the, uh, the first two signs he gave in Matthew 24. The sign one, the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, and the second sign, the rise of false messiahs. Now the Jerusalem temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, and today there are many who claim to be the Savior of mankind and are leading people far from God. Well, this morning we continue with some more of the signs Jesus revealed. Signs which point to His glorious return to the day our Lord Jesus, once crowned with thorns, will bring His kingdom to earth, crowned with many crowns. So let's look today at part two of Pray So Grow Kingdom Revelation. I'm going to be in Matthew 24 and also in Revelation chapter 6. So I'll start with Matthew 24, but I'll also... Refer to Revelation 6 if you want to go uh, turn there now. If you're willing and able, would you stand and honor the reading of God's precious Word? And let's look at Matthew 24. And we'll begin with verse 3. Now as Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of of sorrow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for how we've worshiped today, Lord. You have brought me into your presence, Lord, to be able to see you as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord Jesus, I pray, please come quickly. 
we are getting in, the worse, in a worse shape, this world. It's terrible. All those Christians imprisoned, being killed, arrested, their homes burned all over the world. In America, Lord, Christians being ridiculed. We're being, we're, we're being called terrorists, Lord. I just pray, God, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Come, Jesus. Bring your kingdom to earth. And Lord, when I look out at the church, so much of the church is not ready. They don't believe you're coming. They're not ready for your coming. They're doing, they're doing whatever they want to do. That's not serving a king. It's not serving a king when you, when you just do what you want to do. Serving a king means doing what you want us to do. And I pray God today that your people will get serious as we come to the end of this world. As we know it. And we look forward to the coming of our king. When you come, may we all, may we all be found faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, the disciples had spent three years with Jesus learning the truths of His kingdom. He gave them a lot of information about how to enter the kingdom, about life in the kingdom, but He did not tell them how long it would be before He brought His kingdom to earth. Now, certainly we know that the kingdom of God is the reign of God, and right now the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, is in each one of us, His people. That's where it is. It's within the hearts and lives of His people. But that's not the universal reign we see in the Scriptures. Zechariah the prophet wrote, And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord, will you finish that with me? And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and His name is one. We're certainly not there yet, are we? This world's so filled with division and hatred that it's going to take the coming of Jesus to remove the ungodly culture and wicked kingdoms of this world and replace them with a kingdom of righteousness and holiness. And folks, that's the best news I could, could give you is that what we're going through right now is not the end. This world's system, it's not going to last Things will not always be this way. If you're suffering today, remember, things will not always be this way. One day the Lord Jesus is going to descend from heaven. He is going to destroy all evil and evildoers. And He will set up His throne to rule the entire earth. That's what I mean. That's pretty serious business. At that day, Philippians 2 will be fulfilled. Read it with me. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a far cry from where we are today with a culture that's hostile toward the name of Jesus. In fact, the name of Jesus means nothing to most of the people of the world. It's just a name, a name to be misused, a name, the name of a dead man to be forgotten. But to us who know the Lord, who, who have experienced His power to save and are filled with His eternal life, Jesus is the King to be honored and served today. Amen? If we serve Him today, if He is, in, if he is our King today, then when He 
comes, we'll be ready for it. That's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. That no matter when he comes, King Jesus should find us doing everything we can to help people experience his salvation and be ready for his kingdom. So when the disciples asked Jesus about the signs of his coming, here's what he said. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, so, after the first two signs that he gave, the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and the rise of false messiahs, Jesus gave the third sign of his return, and that is the increasing magnitude of conflict. Since the beginning of human history, mankind has been at war with itself. For thousands of years, nation has risen against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Never, however, has there been a more dangerous time for warfare. The weapons of man today are far more destructive than they have ever been before. When we think about war, we often think about the international conflicts, such as the war in Ukraine. From a report I read this week, close to 131,000 casualties have come from the Ukraine war with Russia. More than 15,000 killed in action, 110,000 wounded in action. It's a real war. But really, war is raging in other places also on the earth. In fact, according to the Council on Foreign Relations Global Conflict Tracker, there are currently 27 ongoing conflicts worldwide. Of all these, conf- the, all these conflicts are costly. They cost life and property, as it always has. There's nothing glorious or romantic about war. War's terrible. It always has been. But today we're in a different age where the potential for worldwide annihilation is real. If a war broke out today and nations launched their nuclear weapons, the world would never be the same. Not only would there be hundreds of millions, if not billions, dead, there would be such radioactivity that nothing could survive, not humans, not plants, not animals, around the globe. There are tens of thousands of nuclear weapons in the arsenals of nations such as the United States, Russia, China, India, Pakistan, North Korea, South Korea, with the U.S. and Russia possessing 90% of the world's nuclear weapons. It's estimated that nine countries possess nearly 13,000 warheads, which has the power to destroy almost everything on the face of the earth. There are both tactical nuclear weapons and strategic nuclear weapons. In the world of nuclear weapons, tactical means an exceedingly large amount of explosive energy, and strategic means even more destructive power. Recent models suggest that if there was a war between the United States and Russia, as many as 5 billion people worldwide, 75% of the global population would die from from the, the blast and also from famine and hunger. A war with nuclear weapons would cause massive fires and inject soot into the atmosphere, blocking sunlight from reaching the surface, limiting food production, leading to a large number of starvations. A large percent of the people would be starving, as the scientists at Rutgers University researched. Already, Russian President Vladimir Putin has threatened the use of tactical nuclear weapons 
in his war with Ukraine. Even tactical weapons and not strategic weapons would still cause millions to die. Again, with the resulting radiation from even tactical nuclear weapons, the earth would never be the same. And with China threatening to invade Taiwan and the United States threatening to intervene, all it would take is the launch of one nuclear weapon, one ballistic missile, to start a war that would kill almost everything on the planet. The disciples asked Jesus, when will your kingdom come? And what will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And we are hearing of wars and rumors of wars today, aren't we? But then Jesus said, verse 6, See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Why would Jesus say it this way? Why would he say, don't be alarmed when you hear about these wars and rumors of wars, because the end is not yet. I believe it's because the wars we're seeing today, and we have seen throughout history, are just leading toward the kind of war we have been praying would never come, a thermonuclear war. John gives us a glimpse in the Revelation. Remember what I told you about this end-time teaching, that Matthew 24 is kind of a summary Jesus gave, but Revelation gives the details. In Revelation 6, John opens with four horsemen, each character representing an aspect of the great tribulation judgment that is to come upon the earth. Now I want you to notice that in the first, we see the rise of the Antichrist. Verses 1 and 2, look with me. Now I saw, John said, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, Come and see, and I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. This is the false Christ, the imposter Messiah, who rides through the earth as a man of peace and he brings conflict. He brings war, nuclear war. He conquers because he wants to rule over all the earth, but King Jesus has something to say about that. He's coming. Jesus is coming. He's returning, and when he comes, he will conquer all enemies. He will take over the whole earth. He will set up His throne and kingdom of righteousness. And He will rule over everything. Hallelujah. But first, the Antichrist must rise, take over and cause conflict and nuclear war. That's what follows Him on the next horses. Look with me, verses 3 and 4. When He opened the second seal, John said, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see, and another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. This is the war of which Jesus spoke in Matthew 24. When nation should rise against nation, when nuclear war is waged on earth, so much of the land is just, will be destroyed, so much of the atmosphere contaminated, that people will kill one another for something to eat. That's the next horseman. Look at verses 
5 and 6. When, I, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not hurt the oil and the wine. Food will become so scarce that a loaf of bread could cost $1,000. This and the next horse and rider are a picture of the widespread famine, sickness, and death that will strike the earth during the reign of this deceiver, this instrument of Satan, this antichrist. Look at verses 7 and 8, Revelation 6. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast, by the germs, by the, by the beast of the earth. Do you remember what I said about the expected results of nuclear war? A war with nuclear weapons will cause massive fires and inject soot into the atmosphere, blocking sunlight from reaching the surface and limiting food production, leading to the huge number of deaths. They die from starvation. People die every day around the world because of a shortage of food. But there has never been a day like the day of the Great Tribulation. This picture of the four horsemen is a picture of the Great Tribulation. The seven-year period of intense divine judgment where the Lord purges the earth and prepares it for the coming kingdom. Where He prepares to imprison the Antichrist and end His reign. And that's why Jesus said, when you hear of war, remember that this is not the end. Folks, the Lord Jesus will not allow His people to be destroyed in the Great Tribulation. That's why He's coming in the clouds to receive us in what we call the rapture of the church. This is the picture we see in 2 Thessalonians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Notice what Paul said. Let's read it together. You're involved in this. You ready? For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Let me just say, it's loud. No one can mistake it. Around the earth, an echo will, will form. It will be the, the voice of the Lord signaling His return with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Do you know who those are? Those that you love? Those dead in Christ will rise first. Ready? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall read it. Always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus could say to his disciples, you don't have to worry during times of war and rumors of wars because before the end of the age, before the Antichrist controls this earth, before the four horsemen come, I'm coming. I'm coming. And you're rising to meet me. Isn't that exciting? Amen? You're going to meet me. Remember what he said? 
in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but if I go to prepare a place for you, what did he say he's going to do? I will do what? Come back and receive you to myself. That where I am there, you may be also. Paul said, and so we will always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Folks, I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? You have anybody that's died that you loved very much? Somebody you had to put their old body in the grave? One day, I go out these funerals. I've done so many funerals, hundreds of funerals. I stand in that cemetery and I look at those hills, rolling hills, grass. I see those tombstones or markers in the ground. When I look out there, it's almost exhausting to see all the death. But then I think, what's it going to be like when the trump of God sounds and the shout of Jesus and those, that ground begins to rumble? And those holes begin to open. And the gravestones are split. And the bronze monuments are thrown to the side. And the caskets are all flung open. And there go the glorious bodies of our dear beloved moms and dads and grandparents and children. And they rise in the sky. Jesus said, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be troubled. Folks, you just got to stick with Jesus. Amen? You just got to stick with Jesus. And that's why I'm telling you, church, you need to get serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ. You folks watching me today, you need to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. You need to serve King Jesus. Because in the end, He's all you're going to have. You won't have anything else. Heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus will be coming again. And when He comes, I want to be ready. Don't you folks? You want to be ready? Amen? That's why Jesus said, you don't have to worry. We are, going to, we are the bride of Christ. And one day, my daughter's getting married to a fine young man. And we're getting ready. We're making all that preparation for, for the wedding. And I met with him the other night. We talked about when we're, how she's coming out and where we're going. To, and the bridegroom is going to be there when the bride comes toward him. And I remember that beautiful wedding day I had. And I'm standing there in my white tuxedo. We wore white tuxedos back then. And, you know, and uh, Donnie Love was standing down there at the altar. And uh, I looked pretty good in my white tuxedo, by the way. Pretty good looking young man there. And I had a lot of hair back then, a lot of hair. And uh, I was watching there, and the door flung open. And all of a sudden, the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen was right there, my wife. She was coming to be mine. We were going to have a ceremony. Friends, that's what is getting ready to happen. That's why the kingdom coming is so important to us. Because we are the bride and he calls us to himself. And when Jesus calls us, it doesn't make any difference if we're alive or dead. Nothing 
can stop us when Jesus says, come to me. Amen? Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Nothing is going to stop you. If you're alive, your body's going to be changed, transformed into a glorified body. If you die, Jesus is going to bring those ashes back together. If you've been cremated, or he's going to bring your molecules together. And you are going to rise. We're going down the aisle to meet Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, just know we're just getting closer. Hallelujah. Just closer to his kingdom coming. So, Jesus said, Now, because of all of this war on the earth, and because when the Antichrist rises and you have all this nuclear war, there will be famines, verse 7 and 8, Matthew 24, there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Uh, if you set off about 100 nuclear weapons in the world at one time, I mean, sometimes 50 kilotons, 100, 100 kilotons, you set those off, the, the ground's going to rumble, don't you know it? Oh, yeah. And you're going to see all of this, but all these are the beginnings of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows is the same as the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And we're going to look at all of this at a little bit later date as we study the kingdom revelation. And we're going to look at the rapture again. But from what I see before the Antichrist rises to power at the beginning of the war, the Lord Jesus returns to rescue His church from danger. And that's the wonderful Savior we have. I love what the Psalmist David said. Let's read it together. This can be your assurance today. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. Yes, before the horror of the war, before the horror of the end, the Lord Jesus, the one who saves, who saves us from devastation, comes for us. This is the blessed hope of the church, that the Jesus who died for our sins on the cross and who rose from the dead to prove his power over death and hell will one day... Sweep us up into His arms and hide us in Himself where we'll be with Him forever. Yes, folks, it don't matter. Hey, if the mushroom clouds start to rise and Jesus comes at that time and the trumpet sounds and He calls us home, do you know something? You don't have to worry. You'll rise up through the mushroom clouds in the, in the power and the arms of Jesus. Yes, there are wars between nations. And their lives being lost. But today there's another war raging within the human soul. Today there are more people in turmoil than I've ever seen in my life. There are more patients being treated for post-traumatic stress disorder than I've ever seen. Uh, I, it used to be that those kind of problems were more prevalent in servicemen and women returning from war. I remember years ago uh, working with Vietnam veterans who were dealing with the recurring nightmares of uh, horror, the horrors of Vietnam, Vietnam. But today, there's so much disorder and so much hostility, anger, resentment, and confusion that people are mentally 
and emotionally exhausted. Wouldn't you agree? The number of suicides in our country are on the rise, especially rising among teens and young adults. 20, listen to this, 22% of high school students have considered suicide. That's almost one out of four. And 10% have actually made a suicide plan. Among teens, there's a rise in sadness and feelings of hopelessness. According to the, CB, the, the CDC, youth violence has become a pandemic. Just think about all the violence that's happening in our world today. Think about how people are killing one another, even killing innocent people. You know, I thought about this. You know, when a, when a person would take and go into a school and kill little children, that's not because there's something wrong with those little children. That's because there's something wrong in that person's brain and heart and soul. That, the war that's, that is going on the souls of countless millions is causing people to become emotionally numb. I, not long ago, I spoke to a young person who had, who had done something wrong, and I asked if he understood that what he did was wrong, and he said, yes, this was a teenager, but, he answered, but, but when I asked him if he felt bad about it, he said, I really don't. He, I said, he said, no. I said, why not? He said, I, I don't really feel anything. I asked him how long it had been since he felt anything. He said, it's been several years. Folks, our culture is so messed up, so violent. It produces movies and songs and video games and computer-generated worlds where kids see so much killing, where they take part in simulated violence every day. Just think about how these video games are so realistic with fighting and killing wars that seem so exciting, require no remorse for the killing. I, I've played these games. I've played some, some games and what happens is you go through these games and you shoot at these creatures or people or whatever and you see maybe some blood, but it's just a game. It's just a game. But do you know that there are people who get absorbed in that fantasy world and they lose touch with reality? And then their conscience becomes numb and they might commit a something terrible, a sin, a terrible sin, and not feel anything for it. Maybe even an act of violence. This is the war that's going on inside, in the minds and hearts of people today. God implanted that conscience in every human being, and that conscience is a deterrence to wrong behavior. But when that conscience has become numb through constant wrongdoing, then anything's possible because there's no remorse, no sense of guilt. I believe that's one of the conflicts of which Jesus was referring as we see the end approaching. Verse 10, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. As the day approaches for our Lord Jesus, our King to return, there's going to be such disregard for anything sacred, such as marriage, for anything that is good and godly, such as life. The closer we get, the more people will betray one another, the more anger, resentment, and hatred will rise. The answer to the inner pain and misery is Jesus. Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, wants to live in us and reign in us so that people can see the difference He makes in our lives. He and He alone can forgive us. He and He alone can calm us and soothe us. He and He alone can save us 
from ourselves and from our enemies and from the wars that rage around us. Jesus said, even when you see these signs, don't be troubled because I'm with you. That brings me to my final point, the kingdom principle. Would you read it with me? When we live for his kingdom to come, we have the promise of his peace and presence now. I heard two stories that are worth telling. First, a man talked about an event that happened while he was in church. Something, something happened. He said, something happened recently in my area that was unprecedented. That was from far away, there was an explosion or a bomb blast on a Sunday morning. And people inside the church ran out because the whole area shook. Window glasses shattered. Well, while in this pandemonium, a certain man who was without, outside the church thought maybe the rapture had taken place. He ran into church. Everybody else running out. He ran into church, got on the altar, and began to pray and beg for mercy. But when he realized what had happened, he just started laughing, got up, and went out again. Next, a man named Jacob had hit a low point in his life. He had thought about killing himself, but he was too far, he was too poor and too tired to secure the means to do it, so he found a park bench, and he just lay down to die. He would not eat because there was nothing to eat. All he thought about was dying. And a couple of days later, he saw in the distance a teenager girl, teenager girl entering the park with a friend. Jacob wondered what on earth someone so innocent and angelic-looking was doing in a park filled with derelicts. He closed his eyes, and in a few minutes, he heard a soft voice speaking to him. Jacob opened his eyes and saw that same teenage girl looking at him with compassion. He was caught off guard. It was the first time he had heard anyone speak words of kindness to him in years. At that moment, he didn't know whether he wanted to cry in gratitude or laugh in cynicism. But her concern moved him in spite of himself. What do you want? He growled at her. Sir, the young girl said, I was afraid to come over here, but I feel like God is nudging me to tell you something before I get back on my bus. I wish I knew how to say it better, but, well, sir, Jesus loves you. He really does. Jesus looked at her in disbelief after all the heartache he had been through, all the indignity he had suffered, all the rage that had filled his soul for so many years. This young girl told him Jesus loved him. As he looked up at her face, he saw tears streaming down her cheeks. And to his astonishment, he began to weep as well. No one could love me, child. It's too late for me, he said between his sobs. No, she replied urgently as she took his thin, gnarled hand into hers. It's not too late. God will gladly take you if you'll only let him. Just tell him that you want to. He will love you and help you. Jacob said it was at that moment he knew somebody was reaching out to him through her. He knew deep within him that that day he received a touch from God in his hour of greatest need when he didn't expect it. Friends, there's a war going on right now. A war against Jesus, against His truth, against His kingdom reign. While some are laughing, others are crying. And we have the answer for all of them, don't we? We have the Savior who says, stay with me. Stay with me through all the wars, inward and outward wars. Stay with me and you'll have nothing to fear. The people around us need Jesus today. They need them they need Him today because tomorrow, tomorrow's opportunity for them may never come. So let's hear the voice of our Savior. 
and sow those eternal seeds of peace in those who are caught in the wars of this life. Would you bow with me? Is there a war going on inside of you today? Is it a war between what is right and what is wrong? Is it a war you've made for yourself or someone made it for you? Is it trouble or peace? It doesn't matter how severe it is. If it's a skirmish or a feels like a nuclear explosion inside of you, Jesus is the answer. He is the only answer. He is the only answer for your today and for your tomorrow. You don't want to miss Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, call upon Him. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in You. I believe You died on the cross for my sins. You suffered horribly. You bled for me. You gave everything up for me. I believe You rose from the dead to give me life. And right now, Jesus, I ask You to forgive me for all my sins. Please come into my heart and life, Jesus. Please come in and take over. Take over my turmoil. Take over this war within me. And give me peace and life. Thank you, Jesus. I accept you and you alone as my only Savior. And today, I yield everything to you. I give you all of my plans, all of my pain. I'm going to give it to you. And instead of looking at all the trouble around me and the war, I'm going to look to you and follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Jesus, if you prayed that prayer a minute, Jesus came into your heart. And now it's time to follow Him and be serious about it. Maybe you're here in a Christian and you know there's a lot of stuff going on and maybe your own heart's trouble. You know where to turn. Just talk to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said that. Come to Him. His arms are open. When we're singing, I'll be at the front. I'll pray for you if you need me to. I'll help you any way I can. Lord Jesus, you are everything. The name of Jesus is the most beautiful name. It's the most powerful name. It can change our lives. It can change the world. It can change everything. Today we come to you and pray, Lord Jesus, help us stay with you, close to you, as the wars rage. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand and sing with us. Just a uh...